Before we jump into today's episode of Survivor's Sanctuary, I want to let you know that you can become a supporter of this podcast and help offset some of the costs of bringing this podcast to you each week. You can visit anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary, click on donate, and you can give an amount starting at 99 cents a month and going up to $9.99 a month. If you love the podcast and you want to keep new episodes coming to you, then visit anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary and become a monthly donor today. More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. This is Kelly, happy to be hosting the podcast today, as I do, yes, every episode. And I'm especially excited about today's podcast because I have a special guest. He has been hanging around the podcast for a while now, and you may have seen Brian Holt leaving some comments on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group page. Brian is a pastor, and he is also someone who cares very much for survivors of sexual abuse and also for preventing abuse within the church. And that's a rare combo, so I'm super excited to dive into our conversation today and hear from somebody in ministry who is getting it right when it comes to sexual abuse within the church. So let's dive right in with Brian Holt. Brian, thank you so much for joining us here on Survivor Sanctuary. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing all right. Um, Not too bad. I cannot complain. Um, We're excited, though, to have you on the podcast today. I've been really excited about this interview. And I know I say that like every time that I interview someone on Survivor Sanctuary, but especially this time, I think because having someone who hasn't like personally gone through sexual abuse as a child in the same way that other survivors have it, it always like surprises us, I think, when people are invested and um, surprises us. And also just, it's like this feeling of having an ally, I guess that's the way that you can describe it. So whenever I have the opportunity to talk to someone, especially in ministry, who has abuse on their radar and thinks it's important, you know, to talk about and to prevent and to respond well to, like, it's always just a really, uh, it's a great feeling for survivors. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's something that has certainly throughout my life, it's, it's been, there've been moments where it was more on my radar and less on my radar. Um, but even listening to your podcast over, I don't, I don't remember when I found it, but the first time I found it, I listened to like five episodes at once and just dealing with, you know, what my limited experience with this in my past, it was a huge reminder that there are people who I deal with in my congregation who are struggling with some of the same things. So I, I really appreciated just the continued focus and, and drawing attention to this topic. Uh, Cause I think it's, 
is definitely something that can be easily forgotten or let go to the back burner. Right. It is. I mean, I feel like even, even for survivors at times, like there are just periods of time you go through where it's just not like you can't keep it in the forefront of your mind every minute of every day, or you're just exhausted. Um, but yeah, it's like, we need those reminders sometimes to front burner this and, you know, really focus. But I want to start just by having you introduce yourself to our listeners. I know that some of uh, some of our listeners may have seen you uh, posting comments and interacting on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And uh, but tell us who you are, Brian. How did you come to find <laughs> Survivor Sanctuary? Well, uh, my name is Brian Holt. I'm a pastor of a small church in Powhatan, Virginia. We're kind of a s- small country church. I've uh, been here for nine years. I've been married to my wife, Rebecca, for 19 years, and we have five children. My oldest, wow. yeah, <laughs> my oldest is 18. He's he's about to graduate from high school, and my youngest is five, and he's about to go into kindergarten. So we are about to have a freshman in college and a kindergartner. And that we is have, awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. It, awesome is one way to put it, that's for sure. <laughs> You know, I feel yeah. like though that maybe your kids don't appreciate it, but I'm one of five kids and my parents mm. had us like in stair steps and it was just like, you know, it, it literally my mom had five kids in the space of like five and a half years. So wow, yeah, I, I feel like having that space and spreading it out a little would have been fun for me growing up. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Our last one, there's seven years between the last two. So it's our four first four are kind of front loaded. They're not super close, but I mean, front it's like loaded. 18 months, two years. And then people always ask, you know, was, was the last one, you know, a, a, one of those happy accidents. And I was like, no, he's, he's actually the only one we planned. So you know, that's, that's how that goes. We've made all of our mistakes with the first four and now we're going to plan that's right. the perfect child. <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. So you're a pastor and that's really cool. I, I like the five kids thing surprised me, I think, because in your profile picture online, you look very young. So, um, yeah, that's, that's I feel good, young. Though. I feel young and old at the same time. Right. You know, it's yeah, like your, that. your mind still thinks you're in your twenties, but your body reminds you that you're not. Right. So. No, I have that exact feeling all the time as I fall apart mm-hmm. every day. I'm like, I feel like I'm still a kid, but this is happening to me and it's not fair. So how did you come to have sexual abuse on your radar? Because it's just the reality, I think, that the majority of people who are in leadership in churches and pastoring, and it's not even like like a knock against them, but just the vast majority of them are not thinking about childhood sexual abuse. Um, Maybe if a scandal happens in their church, but it's just not. So how did that become something that was on your radar? Well. I grew up in a church that was, uh, it's probably actually it was in the Sovereign Grace churches. Um, some, some listeners might be familiar with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> hearing about your, yeah, some of the, your discussions of new Thetic counseling and thing kind of brought back some memories. But so I grew up in, in that environment and there was a, uh, when we first came to the church, I was 11. And there was a man who was highly involved in the youth at the church. He wasn't an official leader of the church, but he was always volunteering, helping out with the youth in our church. And he would have a bunch of guys over at his house all the time. He was a single guy in his 30s. 
and he would invite us over. We spent lots of time together with him. Uh, he actually kind of became somewhat of a functional savior for us. He was like the cool guy and really, he taught us a lot spiritually. But when I was 15 years old, my parents came home from a church family meeting, is what they called it. And uh, they told us that he had been arrested for indecent liberties with a minor. He had abused a child in our church. And actually, I, I think in some ways, the church handled that fairly well. They actually, you know, reported him. He was arrested and he went to prison from when I was 14 till when I was maybe in my mid thirties is I think when he got out. So walking through that, my family, more, more so my mom, she really took that to heart that she didn't see the warning signs. And so over the years, we've discussed a lot of the predatory nature of, I guess, of, of predators uh, and, and a lot of the warning signs to look for. And so that's kind of because that was, even though I wasn't abused, I was, our family was groomed. Um, right. And so I consider myself fortunate that he never physically abused us. But looking back, I can see a lot of those grooming or testing behaviors that were really influential over us. And even though he never abused me personally, even the kind of the separation between myself and my father was an interesting dynamic that I didn't see happening. So he kind of became a father figure, even though I had a great dad who was really involved in our lives, he still kind of drew us away from him. So there was even a, a loss of, of some of that um, right. as a side effect. So kind of looking back over the years, dissecting that has been something that's been on my, I guess you could say on my radar. And then just walking through other, we've never had anything at our church, but watching church leaders who are either failing themselves or failing to take care of the victims of sexual abuse has been something that, you know, as, as time goes by, it's, it's been growing in me. And, and especially, I mean, like I said, listening to your podcast and listening to Jimmy Hinton's podcast have really kind of reminded me of the importance of making sure the church knows where we stand, making sure the church knows how we deal with these things, protecting our children, you know, proactively not just being reactive, but proactively dealing with these things so that the people who are out there who've been hiding shame or hiding these offenses will have a safe place to report and a safe place to hopefully work towards healing and finding the, the peace that, that's in Christ. Just to go back to you talking about the grooming behaviors, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, because I guess there's a sense of like, thank goodness, you know, you, you said, and I remember listening to another podcast you did and you said something similar, like that you were relieved, you know, that you hadn't been abused. Mm -hmm. I feel like though, do you feel like the sense of betrayal and kind of an abuse in itself, like just the grooming process and being used like that has to affect you? maybe not in the same exact way as actually being sexually abused, but there are elements there. Right. Yeah. I, I totally, I totally see that. And I think, I think part of the reason I, I do kind of say I feel fortunate is because I don't want to take anything away from the people who have been physically abused. And I don't want to sound like I, I know the type of pain that they've been through. So I, I try to make that caveat, but at the same time, I do feel like there was a lot of my, I mean, into my, my late teens and my early college years where my testimony, every time I shared my testimony, it involved that story. 
and there is that sense of of betrayal of being used and, and things like that even to the point where i, I shared this in the, the one of the messages i sent you but i i always wondered what i would do if i ever saw that man again you know i, I kind of had these visions of what i try to you know, beat him up or would I, how would I, how would I respond? And, and a couple of years ago, I actually did run into him in kind of a, a strange providential way, I guess. Uh, and it was, it, it kind of wrecked me for the whole day. And it, you know, mm-hmm. it just, I, I didn't, I didn't know what I was feeling. I, I was actually working on a, on a house cause I'm, I'm actually a bivocational pastor. So I do construction and then I also pastor nice. the church. So I was working on a house doing siding and it was for somebody who used to go to our church. And so they're the only people who've ever kept in touch with this guy. But I had no idea of that. And so he just shows up at the house and he didn't recognize oh, wow. me, but I recognized him right away. And I, I just, I said his name and uh, it was, it was very surreal actually, because, you know, in my mind and all these years I'm thinking, what, you know, what would I do? And I just, I, I said, I'm Brian. And he kind of looked at me and I said, I'm Brian Holt. And he said, oh, you're that Brian. And, you know, it was kind of this very surreal, you know, after that he was, you could tell he, he didn't want to be there. And I really right. didn't either. But <laughs> for the rest of the day, I was kind of just like, you know, I sat on that porch with my head in my, my hands for a little while, just kind of going, what, what was that? You know? Um, so, yeah, that was an interesting experience. It almost seems like, I don't know, like it, deflating may not be the word, but there's always this like buildup, I think, in our, our minds of mm-hmm. what we would do when we have the chance. And it's like your emotions and the way that you end up responding tends to be really different than anything you have thought up. Absolutely. Yeah, I think for a long time, I saw him as very much a, an evil person. And, and you know, I even, I even joked afterwards, you know, I... I I was like, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have my gun with me. Um, but, <laughs> Cause that's, you know, beforehand I was like, what would I do? And, and when I, when I saw him, I really just saw like just a feeble old man. And, and like, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like I had pity for him, but it was just kind of like, in a sense it was, it was just like, he's in, a, you know, and, and I know he's, he's unrepentant. He's, he's doesn't see what he, you know, this hearing this from other folks who have spoken with him, and so it was just kind of like, I, I didn't feel anger. It was just like, man, you are so broken. <laughs> like, right. Not, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that was probably good that I had that reaction instead of an angry one where I wanted to <laughs> get myself arrested <laughs> for <laughs> taking some kind of vengeance on him. But, but yeah, it was, it was strange. It was very surreal. I didn't expect that at all. Yeah. That would be very odd. And I know a lot of people have to face their abusers sometimes even close to their abuse. Um, For me, I've never really understood that because, well, I will say as an adult, I haven't because um, I was abused overseas and there's 14,000 miles between me and the person who abused me. I do remember though, in the four years, five years following the abuse that I was always terrified of running into him, but that was as a child. So it's, you know, you're not thinking of what you would do, you know, then you're just kind of trying to survive, but Right. That is, that is really crazy. Well, I wanted to ask you with this happening in your church and you being groomed and your family being groomed, and obviously it had uh, an impact on you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, how does that whole experience kind of affect the way that you pastor your church or the way that you minister to survivors or even work toward prevention? Like how has that affected you? Well, I, I would say for one thing, I, I don't trust anyone, you know, <laughs> that, right. right off the bat, you know, I think there's a, you know, when you've been fooled like that, there's, there's a certain wall that goes up and even I have to, instead of working to distrust someone, I have to work to trust them as far as, you know, what are your reasons for being here? Um, what are, you know, kind of getting to know people there's, you know, we, we have some amazing people at our church, so don't, I'm not saying that <laughs> there's right, like, a, right. <laughs> you know, scumbag looking people around, but, um, but there's, there's a certain amount of, uh, of just, you know, cause I know predators seek out churches and places where they can win people's trust or automatically have their trust because it right. is a church. And so there've been times where I just kind of watch and, and look, but my default is to, I guess it is kind of just to watch and, and just see and, and look for behaviors and things like that. Do you almost yeah. feel like that's a better way to be than just the, I mean, obviously we want to be kind to people and mm-hmm. as welcoming as we need to be, but it, it, there's almost a sense that it, doing it your way might be a little bit better than just the blindly trusting and just giving your trust to anyone who walks through the door because they're in a church. Right. Right. I, I mean, I, I think so because even, even if you're coming from a, a church, you know, where you're, where you're applying the gospel to people's lives, right? Like, so, you know, we, we preach the gospel and we believe the gospel and we want to see lives changed. But at the same time, me applying the gospel to someone's life does not give them a free pass to, doesn't give them all access to everything, you know, cause we, we have people who, we actually had a lady uh, who was a member of our church who heard about our church through a prison ministry that we're a part of. And she, after she was released, she came to our church and she had been arrested for financial crimes. So, you know, we said, we'd love to have you here. You're not allowed to serve on the finance team, right? We're never right. going to let you write the checks here. Um, <laughs> that's just, you know, that's just or one of those the things offering. that, right, right. You're, <laughs> you know, we don't want to put that temptation in front of you. We don't want to, uh, cont- you know, cause, cause you to stumble. And so, and, you know, that's just one of those things that you've, you've been made new in Christ, but you still have this flesh and, and your flesh has had issues with this in the past. And so, you know, it's not that we don't believe that you're a new creation. We just know that that's a too much of a temptation. So there's, there's that aspect of it. And then there, there's the other aspect where there are genuine predators who are, who are not, well, I would say not believers. They're just out, they're just predatory. And so it's hard to, it's hard to tell. Yes. And it's almost as though in most churches, in most churches, what you just said about how you dealt with somebody who had gone to prison for financial crimes, like most right. churches would not have a problem with that at all. Like, obviously, we're not going to let somebody deal with the money if they've had an issue with stealing or being dishonest in the past. And yet those same people will push back so hard when you want to put limitations and restrictions on someone who has serve time or has just, you know, is known to have abused someone. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't, I, I've never, exp- well, actually, you know, now thinking about it, the, the man who was, you know, who did groom us, he had had prior convictions 
and I, I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly, but I, I believe some of the church leadership knew about it. Wow. And so they, but they still allowed him to do that. So yeah, it, it, it is kind of, it, it doesn't really make sense that on a clear cut thing, like a financial crime, who would let that person count the offering, but something of, of much greater value, like our children were, were willing to put at risk when somebody has, has offended before. So yeah, I, I agree. Is there something that you do differently in in your church as a pastor in order to maybe make survivors of abuse feel more comfortable to come forward or some kind of a ministry to, to them? Is there something you do differently in your ministry because of your experience? That's that's where I feel like things are kind of in the works as far as I'm, you know, I kind of admittedly and this is where, again, I'm just thankful for your podcast because it, it is something people don't talk about. So it's not a, you know, in the church world, it's not a, gre- a greasy wheel. So it it hasn't, it hasn't been, I guess, built out, you know, here at our church, but that's something that I am kind of eager to make people aware of, you know, that's why we're, I'm, I'm beginning to start. Um, I'm working on right now, we're going to do a, a, a short sermon series on sexual abuse in the church. And one of the goals and is so that people will be aware of the presence of it and be aware that, you know, if the statistics hold to our church, that, that there are a number of people in our congregation who've been affected by this. And this is a safe place where they can disclose if they haven't disclosed and then heal and, and hopefully uh, walk through that process. And if there's something we need to deal with, you know, here that we need to do that. So that's probably the kind of where we're headed. As far as other things that we do, we have, you know, child protection policy and, and code of conduct that all of our people have to sign and, and background checks and all those things. But we haven't had a specific ministry yet um, for survivors. The prevention part is great. And I think that some churches, like they'll have a policy in place, but I think that with your experience, what you've gone through in the past, I think that the importance of that policy is like, it's just a little more like in the forefront of your mind. Whereas in some churches, like I've been in churches where they say that they do background checks and they say that they won't let a person serve with the kids for like X, Y, Z reasons. And I've worked with the children without going through a background check. And, mm. you know, people know me or know of me because I've been on the radio in my community. And mm-hmm. it almost is like people are just like, oh, well, you're fine. Like, we don't need to worry about you. And so they'll throw you in there. So a lot of churches will have the policies and they're not really good at enforcing them. So I think that's right. good that that you know, like you, ha- I just for right. for whatever reason, I mean, I guess we understand what the reason is that when you've experienced this kind of grooming and abuse, or you've experienced a situation where you've had to deal with it and the fallout from it, it's just something that all of a sudden, you know, it's on your radar. I just wish, I guess, that without going through some horrible, like horrible thing that Mm -hmm. more people would just be like, okay, this is, this is something we need to take seriously so that we don't ever have to deal with it. Um, Right. Unfortunately, I just think, I mean, it's like pretty much anything in life. Unless you've gone through it, you just don't, you don't know. You just don't think it's, it happens, right? It, right. It, you know, and I think that's part of 
bringing it to the forefront is is recognizing that yes, this happens, and yes, it happens in churches, and um, you know, I think even you know we can see. I mean, name any famous pastor that's fallen, right? And it's kind right. of like. <laughs> Just before I came here, there was somebody posting a, an article about a pastor who was murdered by his wife and her lover, right? Oh, you know, right. Like, yeah, I saw know. that. <laughs> it's just like, we always think it happens somewhere else and, or it doesn't happen at all. And so, Right. Yeah. It's always like something that's happening to other people until suddenly you're in the middle of that crisis. And then you're like, I should have listened to Brian Holt when he was telling us that we needed, <laughs> that we needed to care more about this. Right. Um, I mean, the reality is, I think it's so, first of all, it's amazing that you're doing a sermon series about childhood sexual abuse um, or any kind of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. That's amazing because I have never in my life, and I think I remember you asking this question on the Facebook page for Survivor Sanctuary, like asking if we had ever heard sermons. And for the vast majority of it, it's like, no, I mean, unless we have specifically sought out a person like a speaker like Boz Chavigian, you know, I knew his name years ago. And so obviously I looked up messages from him because you know what you're going to find. But as far right. as just in your average church, I don't think that I've ever encountered anyone mentioning sexual abuse in a sermon. And so I think mm -hmm. that that's, that's like amazing. And second, I like that that you're putting a plan in place for what to do when you get the disclosures, because I feel like when you're willing to talk about something like this without fail, people are just, they will open up. Um, people could just hear you talk and suddenly their memories of what they went through are just there. And, you know, I feel like that having that plan in place for, okay, what are we going to do if somebody discloses to us? Like, that's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little scary to be honest, because that's one thing I've, I've heard, you know, Jimmy talk about is that, you know, be prepared if you do something, you know, dealing with this, that people will disclose. And, and, uh, you know, fortunately one of the great things we have is, um, one of our elders here at the church is, is a law enforcement officer. He's a police officer in one of the neighboring counties. And so, you know, there's three elders here at the church and we're all on the same page about this. And, and it's great. You know, I'm grateful that we have him that, he can, he can help out with any legal things or, you know, as far as right. law enforcement side um, comes into play and, and things like that. I, Lord willing, we won't have that, but you know, that, that is a great, a great help too. Um, we have one, uh, a man who's, who's been coming to our church, who was previous law enforcement, who dealt with, who dealt with crimes against children. And so I'm actually going to be um, talking with him some too, as I kind of prepare for the series. Oh, that's well. amazing. Mm -hmm. That's really good info to have. And I found that people who deal with those kind of crimes are so like, it's like they just know, they get it, and right. they just automatically understand. It almost feels like within the church, and I don't know if this has been your experience, um, but it just seems like you're almost beating your head against a wall, trying to convince people that, yes, this lovely, sunshiny missionary that you think the world of actually has sexually assaulted small children and he's mm -hmm. probably still doing it now. It's like you, you try so hard to get people to understand that their happy, like rose colored view of people within the church is not necessarily reality. And then you talk to somebody who has worked in the field and it's typically not somebody who's involved with the church or ministry in the church, but 
like a detective who has worked with crimes against children, um, like, you know, an officer like you're talking about. And it's just like, it's a breath of fresh air I've found whenever I've had the opportunity to talk to them because they just get it. You don't have to explain that this is important or that predators lie and hide in plain sight. Like they just, they kind of just know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as much as I distrust people, I think they do even more so. Right. Because, <laughs> you, know, you know, they're, you know, I don't know if it's, if I, I wouldn't necessarily call it cynicism, but I think it's just heightened awareness. And, and actually it, it's funny that churches would not want to believe that they're precious, you know, like they're, famous missionary or whatever would, would be capable of that stuff because the scripture is full of that. <laughs> you know, if you, if you read, if right. you read the Bible, it's, it's seriously jacked up people throughout. Like that's the whole point of scripture. It's like, yes, we're, <laughs> right. we're jacked up. We need a savior. And, and whether it's, whether it's something, you know, minor or whether it's something major, like leaders fail, leaders fall. Um, and none of us are, immune to that um you know it, that even just whatever failure like we're all flawed and we all have our flesh that we deal with and um so it should never be a surprise and i think that for things like i almost feel like okay like the news story that you just brought up in mm -hmm. a in a story like that i for me it's like okay these people like got into something they shouldn't have been in and then they selfishly decided that they're just gonna off the, the pastor yeah. so they could be together or whatever but I, how do you handle kind of the difference between somebody who has just like fallen into sin and then somebody who is actually a wolf in sheep's clothing because for me that's that's the big difference. And that to me is one of the hardest things to try and get the church on board with that. There are people out there. They're not just like, as Jimmy Hinton says, they're not broken sheep, they're wolves and you can't turn a wolf into a sheep. So to go back to what you were talking about in the situation mm -hmm. in your church, for example, you said something in the podcast I listened to, like that you did in 2016 about this situation. And you said something like talking about not knowing really why he didn't abuse you, like you were groomed and you were very close and, but he never actually got to that point. And you said something like, I don't know if it was just a timing thing. And I was like, yes, <laughs> it is a timing mm -hmm. thing. Cause it's when you read about predators and pedophiles, it's like an art form. They spend so much time grooming people to be a hundred percent sure that once they abuse them, they're not going to disclose because mm -hmm. that's the only thing that, that predators fear that mm -hmm. the only thing they're scared of is disclosure, you know, because that's going to like end everything. And even then sometimes they can continue to get support from people or, you know, backtrack their way out of it. Right. But I just, that just made me think like, this is something that for years and years, like some, some people will be groomed for several years before there's any sexual contact, before any abuse begins. And so when I look at that type of a person, it's not like I fell into sin, which is sort of what people right. want you to believe. Like, oh, I tripped over my shoelaces and I sexually assaulted an eight-year-old. But you still have that pushback from Christians where it's like, all have sinned. I've sinned, so I can't judge anybody else. Like, how do you handle the difference between a, a, a sheep who sins and then somebody who's just not a sheep at all? 
And actually, I'm going to let Brian answer that on our next episode of Survivor Sanctuary. Part two is coming up next time. So you definitely want to come back for that. I know, leaving you with a little bit of a cliffhanger this time. I'm kind of a jerk, but no, there's plenty more on the next episode. Brian has more wisdom to share with us, and it's going to be great. So you definitely want to join us again next time. And if you want to interact with Brian, maybe you have some questions for him. You can interact on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group page because he hangs out there too. And I'm sure he'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. I am going to link to Brian's church website in the show notes. It is EmmausChristianChurch.org, and they stream their services live each Sunday on Facebook, and I will link to their Facebook page as well. So awesome to have people in pastoral leadership who care about victims of sexual abuse And they also care about preventing sexual abuse. So we'll continue our chat next week. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Survivor Sanctuary. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.